Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up, what's up? And welcome in. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN-332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat? I will follow you back guaranteed. Also on Instagram, IGJHood as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. On the program tonight, we will find out who is the pettiest in the sports weekend. A lot of pettiness going on. People find the funniest thing of the sports weekend, the weirdest thing of the sports weekend. On Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, we find the pettiest stories of the sports weekend because athletes and sports figures can be petty at times. So we will have Petty Junction coming your way. We put them on the petty train and just let them go away. We'll have that coming up for you at 7.50 here on ESPN 1000. Also, a man who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com at 8.10, Jesse Roger will be with us coming up. We'll hear from Jesse and uh, find out Jesse's thoughts about the uh, Chicago Cubs. They get ready on this off day to to, to get ready to have their next series. Uh, Jesse Roger will be with us coming up at 8.10. That's what it said on my screen. I'm just reading what it says on my screen. It said Jesse Roger. And actually, when he was covering the Blackhawks, they, the media and the hockey players, well, the Hawks, would call him just Jesse Roger. They would just drop the S. Jesse Roger, I wonder if I know your thoughts. John Louis, your thoughts. So Jesse Rogers will be with us at A10. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. And we will talk to a three-time NBA champion. My guy, Stacy King, on the program coming up at nine ten. The Chicago Bulls color analyst will find his thoughts about the NBA playoffs. Stacy King, he's going to join us coming up at nine ten. Also, David Schoenfeld, a frequent guest on the program. You know, we don't have a, a ton of baseball guests on this program, 
But we do have David Schoenfeld, who does a great job on ESPN.com, breaking down some of the storylines around Major League Baseball. So we'll get to him coming up at 930. And plenty of time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN. Hope that you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great Mother's Day. And hope that you have a great Monday night as we're with you until 10 o'clock. And then it's Dan Levitar, Stu Gatz, and Stan Van Gundy right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Oh, by the way, I've got tickets. Between now and 10 o'clock, I'm not, I'm going to say one, two, three, I got five pair, five pair of tickets to see the Chicago Dogs, your premier minor league baseball team on May 18th as they open their season, Chicago Dogs baseball with everything. Uh, for more information and tickets, go to chicagodogs.com, again, chicagodogs.com. But instead of you going to chicagodogs.com, how about if I give you a pair of tickets to see the Chicago Dogs? I have seen pictures of the stadium. I have not been there yet. I will be there in the month of May to check it out uh, because um, it, 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 I understand that it's a very impressive stadium and why not, right? Chicago Dogs, uh, May 18th. I've got your tickets between now and 10 o'clock right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Great to have you in today. My folder is full. I've got a lot of things that we got to get to before we're done at 10 o'clock. So let me just start here with the Chicago Cubs. Cubs are idle tonight and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we have seen here with this Cubs team, the turnaround from this Cubs team. Last time you and I spoke about the Cubs, I was kind of rubbing it in to some of you that love to panic. And just instead of just being able to just watch the ebb and flow of a season, you look at a series or two and believe that your team sucks and that you should blow up everything, including the manager. Well I'm here to tell you, as I told you last year, and I will tell you right now that Chicago Cubs baseball is built to last going into the playoffs. Now, how far that is, I don't know. But what I'll tell you is is that based on what we have seen so far, and again, this is just in the month of May, you had a couple of measuring stick games. And I think it's always important. I think even players deep down, if they're honest with you and I, they would say they look at the schedule like, oh, Milwaukee's coming in. Okay, playing St. Louis. They're in the division. Let's see how we measure up. You want to be ready for every game. I get that. But I always think that because of the backlash from some of you on Cubs baseball, you're thinking, well, you know, this Cubs team, because the way they came out of the gate, this is who they are. Something else that also is not true about Cubs baseball, as we do some myth-busting here with this Cubs team, is that Chris Bryant actually can play baseball. How about them apples? He's not a bum. Chris Kampka had a really great stat about Chris Bryant. He has a 22-game on-base streak. His slash line is 289, 450, and 671. 21 runs, 7 homers, 20 RBIs, 22 hits, 21 walks, hit by a pitch twice. Want to trade him? Just asking for a friend. Heard a lot of that also in the month of April and early May. On trade Bryant now, Bryant is the best third baseman that the Cubs have had in my lifetime. Wasn't around to see Santo, the nine-time All-Star. Heard about him, read about him, so I don't know how good he was. Too young to remember how good Bill Matlock was at third base for the Cubs. So we move along Ron Say and move along Vance Law and move along Luis Salazar and all these other guys, and we look at a cornerstone player, not just on playing on the corner, but a cornerstone franchise player and Chris Bryant. So we talk about the Cubs with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
So Bryant is not bad after all, huh? So Chris Bryant actually can play. How about Wilson Contreras? Wilson Contreras, as Pat Hughes would say. In 2018, how about this for numbers? 544 plate appearances for Wilson Contreras. A slash line of 249, 339, and 390, and 10 home runs. So far this year, 135 plate appearances, slash line at 315, 430, and 640. A hell of a lot better than all of last year in almost 600 plate appearances. Uh, I mean, 10 home runs last year, 10 home runs now for Wilson Contreras. Can he play or not? Thinking that he can. The other things, too, that stand out are just kind of the obvious. Since April 27th, the Cubs have had 24 home runs, most in the National League. 90.9 average exit velocity, according to StatCast. That's the highest in Major League Baseball, if you believe in that number. 2.34 ERA, best in Major League Baseball. 1.89 opponents batting average, tied for the best in Major League Baseball. Otherwise, I think that the Cubs are just okay. One of the things that we do as fans way too much is to take a sample size, not even a month. You'll take a series or two and believe that if your team underachieves, that that's who you are. Could you imagine if we measured people like that in life? Wait, we do. I take that back. I think that we do. And that's the issue. Snap size, sample size, short bursts, this is who you are. Now, what I'm giving you is empirical proof that Cubs baseball is pretty good. and It will be good for the rest of the regular season, even though you and I can see some of the question marks on the team, but they're not negatives. Here's the difference. You can find negatives on the White Sox. You can find them. We'll talk about them in just a moment. You can find negatives on the White Sox. You can find things that are missing on the Sox. But when you have a murderer's row offensively, enough offense to be able to get you through some games, enough starting pitching to get you through some games, then I I think that you can look at the team in a positive way and say, you know what, I don't know what the end will bring, but I will tell you this, there's enough to win. You know who agrees with me? Theo Epstein agrees with me. (laughs) Theo agrees with me. And here's how I know. I'm sure that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer were butting heads on how much more money they can spend in the offseason. And you heard, as we played several times in this program, the owner of the Cubs, Tom Rickett, saying, no, uh, we don't have any more money. He backtracked on that when Jordan Cornette you know, put him in a corner. Uh, but he did say that we don't have any more money for free agents or any more money. So I think that I agree with him. He didn't have to say it like that, but I do agree with him that the bottom line is is that you have enough to win as is. No matter how much money you doled out to give to um, to you, Darvish, to Jason Hayward, to Tyler Chatwood, you have enough to win, and this is where this Cubs team is. Uh, so the, some thoughts now from Joe Madden. Madden talking about how Chris Bryant for sure – it's at the top of his game. He looks really sharp. His confidence is way up. He played a great first base, too. Uh, that play where he turned a double play, really smart. Well, that one ball was hit hard. That He had a pick to his side. He got sideways, which was the right thing to do on that. Just playing with a lot of confidence right now. He's playing everywhere. You know, People always wonder about whether he could hit or not by playing a variety of different positions. I think he actually thrives when he does that. That's Madden putting him in that position. I'm old school in that regard. 
I think Bryant should play third base 156 games a year. But that's just me, though. He's a third baseman. Keep his ass at third base. But that's just me. He has him at left and right. I've seen Bryant play first and third. That's fine. Have, have him play shorts, too. Let him play shortstop also. I mean, because he thinks that that keeps him active. He knows his player than, better than I do. I'm more old school. I want that guy over at third base every day. But I get it. And Brian talked about playing first base yesterday. I knew Ruz wasn't feeling great yesterday, so I kind of had an idea what would happen. But I didn't know if I would be the one to play first. I know there's a couple other guys that can do it, but no, nah, I enjoy it. I I don't mind moving around at all. I know um, that's what Joe likes to do, and I'm ready for it. And he's fine with it. There's no backlash. He's fine with moving around the diamond. And, and so the, the bottom line is that the Cubs are not as bad as you as you originally thought, uh, based on the numbers that we have seen here. Uh, I'm impressed by the 24 and 14 record. Uh, it shuts up some of the naysayers. The wins in the division resonate with me more so than anything else. And the numbers I gave you for Chris Bryant speaks volumes of exactly where this ball club is going. Glad that you're with me here, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, the Sox are taking on the Indians. It's already one nothing. Cleveland with the lead uh, in the top of the first over at guaranteed rate. We'll keep you abreast of that ball game over on the south side. Uh, and speaking of the uh, Chicago White Sox, um, looking at the, the Sox here, it was um, not a great day if you're a Sox fan to find out that Carlos Rodon will undergo season-ending Tommy John surgery on his pitching arm. Rodon will meet with uh, a doctor in Los Angeles. Given that he has to undergo the surgery, it's still too early to give you a precise timeline uh, in terms of a potential return. But according to Rick Hahn, however, it's probably looking like the second half of the 2020 season, probably like August, September, if he even pitches at all. Um, Carl Ravitch was on Wall and Sylvie talking about how this sets back the rebuild with Rodon, at this point the ace of the White Sox, not being available. One of the best uh, college pitchers that I saw, um, what he did and the way he threw the ball, I thought he would be a star within two years at the major league level. And unfortunately, this uh, you know this sets that timetable back. It sets the organization back a couple of years. And this is a team that's constantly trying to you know, build and for Rick Renteria and everybody else there, you, you, you just, you feel for them. I, I fell in love with Redon in Omaha and watching him through the course of the season that he was having. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is bad news for the White Sox. But it, unfortunately, you know, kind of nationally, it feels like that's, that's the rut the White Sox have been stuck in. Um, you know, and there are other teams like the Yankees this season who are all banged up and playing well because they're, their other players, like Gio or Shella, you know, are having MVP type seasons, if not All Star seasons, and they have the depth and they put the money in. Where the White Sox are constantly trying to dig out of what feels like a you know a sand pit, and they, and they just unfortunately find themselves not gaining any traction, and that's uh, that's 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 bad news. But I think anytime you hear a GM or a director of baseball operations say anything's on the table, they generally have a real good idea where this is going. Carl Ravage with his thoughts about the White Sox and how to set back rebuild. There's no question about that. <clears throat> the thing is, is that you're just trying to, as I've been trying to figure out, you know, what is the direction of White Sox baseball? And when will you be able to 
trade for or acquire a key free agent to be able to jumpstart the franchise. I don't know if that's 2020. I don't know if that's 2021. I just know that you cannot allow the grass to grow under your feet as you continue to put up these prospects, these prospects, these prospects. And we're putting on guests on this program to talk about the prospects. They're all suspects, number one, more so than prospects. (laughs) They're all suspects. You have no idea what they are. So, you know, again, this is why a White Sox fan will hold his money close to the vest and be like, okay, show me that you're trying to win, and then maybe I'll go to the ballpark with my kids, you know, if they can go to school on time, if they got to go to camp. That, that's, those are always the question marks, right? Uh, Josh Nelson, who's great on Sox Machine, uh, covers the White Sox for SoxMachine.com. Um, he talked to me about what he's learned so far. I will tell you this before we hear from him. Sox coming into this game 18-21. As they start this series against Cleveland, here's the positive that I really like from the Sox team. They won two out of three against Toronto by a 16 to six margin. They didn't just win. They were able to put some offense, uh, at Rogers Center on the road. So I enjoyed that. They split with Cleveland, including a nine one victory against Trevor Bauer. Didn't expect that at all. How is it that they got through Bauer and they got through him quickly? Uh, offensively. So I thought that that was big. They lost three out of four against Boston. They lost, and they won two out of three against Baltimore. There was one rain out there. But a couple of things that we have seen here through the first, what do we, 30 plus ball games is Tim Anderson is becoming a budding star. Tim Anderson with a slash line of 331, 362, and 535. Hats off, Tim Anderson. And Tim Anderson, it's a, uh, it's a deeper topic. If we'll get to it, we'll try to get to it tonight. But I think that um, to put a nice bow on what I want to say about Tim Anderson is, is that Tim Anderson is breaking through the old mold and trying to make baseball a little bit more um, likable for a certain generation. Now, it doesn't affect me one way or the other, uh, whether he flips his bat or not. Point is, is though, is that now he's getting attention. And the Sox are getting attention because of what he's doing, because he's bringing energy. He's bringing excitement. You have to be able to do that. It's baseball. You've you got to be able to have some excitement, and I think Tim, Tim Anderson definitely does that. So McCann, is it, just a, is it just a couple of months, or is it McCann actually a, a solid player for the Sox this year? He's been putting up some really good numbers offensively. And then Lucas Giolito is one of the big surprises of the early season. Giolito's got two straight wins. I didn't expect that at all. And so those are are good things. Now, Nelson told me about things that he's learned so far this year about the Sox. What I am learning is that maybe the White Sox have solidified the left side of the infield by not signing Manny Machado. Now, I want to clarify something. I still think it is a huge mistake that they did not sign Manny Machado. But moving Yohan Machado from second base to third base has been a smoother transition than I was expecting. And offensively, he looks a lot better than last year. And with Tim Anderson, I think he's taken another step offensively as well. Uh, in which, with him winning the Player of the Month in the American League in April, I think we have seen that he can be really, really good. He can be one of the league's best hitters uh, when he's in a groove. I think what we're still having to learn uh, is the pitching side. And you know, I talk, and I know you've had James Feagan, the beat reporter for the White Sox and the Athletic, uh, in the past. And James and I talked on our show this past week 
And you, it's not just Chicago. It's everywhere in the minor leagues for the White Sox. They are struggling on pitching well at every level as a whole. And I think what I'm learning is is that, man, the White Sox are going to have to really commit some resources, Jonathan, in the near future on pitchers. And that's maybe something that they weren't expecting, that they were hoping with all these trades and with the drafts that they would have figured out the pitching side and they can spend some money on position players. No, I think that's going to have to flip-flop. I think they're going to have to spend a lot more money on pitchers in the near future. So I, just, I still think we're learning. But right now in the first games, this is a an offense that could be above average. But, man, it's going to be a roller coaster with this pitching staff in the bullpen. So thoughts there from Josh Nelson from Sox Machine, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let me move on to something else here. Be, the draft lottery for the NBA takes place tomorrow. And, again, we're going to hear from uh, Stacey King at 9-10 about the NBA playoffs. I'll give you my thoughts as well coming up. Uh, Michael Reinsdorf was on Sports Radio uh, today, and Michael Reinsdorf, it's odd, he doesn't do many radio appearances. I'd love to have him on the program. There's a lot of questions I, I would love to ask Michael. But um, Michael Reinsdorf made a couple of comments here about the uh, Chicago Bulls and from Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic, says that he praised their draft record, talking about the general manager and the uh, vice president of basketball operations, uh, John Paxson and Gar Foreman. He praised their draft record and says that he thinks that they are the right people for the job, adding they've done, quote, a really good job. Reinsdorf said that he talks to other executives around the league and has yet to hear anyone say that the men in charge in Chicago are doing it wrong. Publicly and privately, Reinsdorf maintains enormous faith. Management clearly has his support. Uh, it was really a story about Zion Williamson, what he could do if he was uh, with the uh, if he was with the uh, uh, Chicago Bulls, if he was drafted, and the Bulls had the uh, right ping pong ball. Here's the thing about that quote: of he believes that they've done a really good job. So, so I would ask this question. And you got to think about this, Bulls fans, because listen, you pay for season tickets. I don't. You, you know, you, Maury and and Mary in Highland Park. You guys make the trip up, go to the West Side, make a night of it, and you go and you spend time going to Bulls games, uh, knowing that the product is substandard. So a really good job. What is a really good job when you're not in the playoffs? What do you, I mean? How do you describe that? What is the measure of success for Bulls basketball? Would it not be being a, at least a perennial playoff team? At the very least, being one of the top 16. So if this is a really good job, then what's a really bad job with the Bulls if you're in the front office? And this is, I'm, I'm not trying to be tongue-in-cheek with you. I'm just saying that he says that Gar and Pax have done a really good job. And and going back to previous conversations that you and I have had about Michael Reinsdorf, uh, Michael is just in that same vortex of loyalty that Jerry had for many, many years, not understanding that, hey, look at the one loss record. It's not good. Fans are not happy. However, the other side of that ledger is they see how many people come to United Center, and so they don't feel like there should be a change. A really good job, I guess, from his standpoint is, well, if it's 99% full, I guess they're doing a good enough job. People still keep going to the games. I always feel like when I'm talking about the Bulls, I'm talking to the minority of Bulls fans. 
And maybe it's the majority. I don't think. Sometimes I think it's a minority of the Bulls fans. Because if you continue to even just get free tickets at the job, you will consider going. And it's not always for the other team. You're just going because of the experience. Listen, you want to go and listen to classic rock and watch a team lose by 30 and watch Benny the Bull and the popcorn trick, that's fine. I just know that for me, if I'm if I'm going to spend that kind of cash, I'm there to watch quality basketball, watch my team win. Michael Reinsdorf saying that Gar and Pax have done a really good job is is really insulting. I don't I don't know. I'm a big boy market. I'm, I'm in Chicago. I grew up here. Uh, maybe again, this is not Charlotte. This is not Phoenix. It's not Cleveland. I mean, this is a big market here, and you cannot go on the radio and say that they've done a really good job. How? No, you know who would tell you that they haven't done a really good job? John would tell you that. <laughs> Pax would tell you that. Because Pax also knows that, hey, to be able to be in the top 16 and be a playoff team is where they really want to be. They don't want to be where they are right now, but they are run like a mom-and-pop shop. And Ryan's, the Reinsdorfs are cool with that mom-and-pop shop. But you know why? Because the mom-and-pop shop still is able to ring that cash register. They still can be able to bring people in to the United Center. And so and sometimes, you know, this is why when we talk about the NBA, I might cut off the Bulls conversation just talk about the NBA because if I'm I'm saying the same things and there's no difference. I'm not going to do nineties sports radio and tell you not to go. You go where you want to go when it comes to the your entertainment dollar. I'm not gonna be that guy that tells you you shouldn't go. But what I'm telling you is is that why would you continue to go to a place where you know what the end result is? I'm just saying. Like, I, I don't understand that. Now, there's loyalty, yes. And there's some that will say, if I give up my season tickets, then when they do win, I'm going to be really salty. I got to be there when they win. Well, when is that? If you can see the forest for the trees, you see what's happening here with the organization. It's not awful. The Bulls are not awful, but the Bulls are stuck in that treadmill of mediocrity that can't get them in the top 16 every year, and that's the problem. I know what awful is. You know, I, I see what's happening with the Lakers and the, and the Knicks and the Suns. I know what that's – and Atlanta. I see what's happening there. So the Bulls aren't awful, but the, the point is, is that if you see what's happening with the organization and they are always underachieving – there's always injuries. There's always excuses. There's always reasons. How about a reason to get in the top 16? How about those reasons? How about be able to find the right coach and find the right philosophy and do not take a 1997 philosophy in basketball and realize what's happening in 2019? I would rather be the Rockets and hit my head against the ceiling year after year, falling short, than to be going through this. Maybe they get a lucky ping pong ball. Maybe not. Hopefully the Bulls are in the top four because if they're in the top four, top five, they'll find someone quality. I said this last year. They'll find, they'll find someone quality. But who's going to coach them? What's your system? What's your plan? What's your long-term plan? Those are the things. So, you know, I just, I, I, I find, I just wanted to point it out because it's just insulting to me. You cannot tell the general Bulls fan, whether they go to the games or not, that Gar and Pax have done a really good job because, you know, they have not. It's not good enough. Uh, the NBA playoffs, two game sevens on a Mother's Day, that was just off the chain. 
We will talk about that coming up next. Also still to come, your opportunity to win tickets. If you have not, if you're listening to this show and you listen to radio and you say, I've never won anything, I got an opportunity for you to win Chicago Dogs tickets. You can either win them for yourself or give them as a present, but I've got your opportunity, our next half hour for you to win. Stay by your listening advice now. You can do that. Two Game sevens off the chain. As I combine all the juice from the mind, heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This portion of Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood is brought to you by Illinois Media School. Call this number, 630-916-1700. I'm in a club in New York. 630-916-1700. Or go to the website, beonair.com. Beonair.com. You're into broadcasting, communications, Want to be on the air or behind the scenes? Illinois Media School, 630-916-1700. Or go to the website, schedule yourself a visit, beonair.com, Illinois Media School. Glad that you're in. We have got tickets to give away to the Chicago Dogs this half hour. If you want to go, stay by your listening advice. And when you can call in to win tickets, glad that you're in. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. I'll tell you when to call so that way you can be hooked up with tickets. My way of saying thanks for listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood weeknights here on ESPN 1000. Still to come, we'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs. For ESPN.com, we'll hear from Jesse coming up at 810. Yesterday, for those of you that know I'm a hoop head, oh, Mother's Day, two game sevens. Now, let me just make sure it's very clear as a sports fan. Because I don't want Joe Hockey fan to send me a tweet at Tweet J Hood to say, well, the best, you know, game seven is in the NHL. Game seven, period. Okay? It's not, this is not a sports thing. It's not a, my sports better than your sport. NHL, I've seen game sevens this season. Off the chain. Terrific. NBA, same thing. Game seven. Major League Baseball, Game 7. Anytime that there is a finale, when you know that this is the last time that these two teams will face off, it's fun. I got two of them yesterday. So, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard of the Raptors. What a great emotional game for the Toronto Raptors as they defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 92-90. And Toronto wins that series. I have been so negative on Toronto over the years because uh, they always let their fans down. And they always underachieve. But how about this to upgrade your team? You get rid of, um, you get rid of uh, DeMar DeRozan. And here comes Kawhi Leonard via trade. And look at the fortunes, how things have changed for the Toronto Raptors. They're in the mix now to take on... Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Championship. Really, really great. Bruce Bowen, of course, is uh, <laughs> is going to break down how bad the defense was by filling that last shot. But the point is, is that you got to love that game winner. I know it killed McGinnis, the voice of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, with that game winner yesterday. Harris plays off the ball. 
Kyle and Siakam screen for Leonard. Leonard has it out top. Leonard against Ben Simmons. Two seconds to go. Kawhi Leonard hangs. Fire shot up. It rims and it rims. And it went in. Toronto wins. 92 to 90. Are you kidding me? Suspended animation. A pause. And then the ball went in. Kawhi Leonard has won the game. Tom McGinnis dying. With that, with every little bounce on that rim on the Fanatic in Philadelphia or ESPN Philadelphia sister station. But my guy Paul Jones, the brother of Mark Jones, uh, was happy, uh, I'm sure, on the radio side. But here's how they called it at uh, TSN. Raptors, here we go. They get it to Leonard. Drives right. Down to the baseline. Fall away for the win. Got it! Danced on the rim. It hit four rims. And went down. Kawhi Leonard's shot went up in the air. It hit the rim. It bounced on the rim before going through the bucket. Toronto wins 92-90. It's on to Milwaukee and the Eastern Conference Final. And then, of course, TNT. It's off to Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? <laughs> Great audio, too, because you could hear the ball dancing on the rim. Even if you didn't see it, you could hear it right there, which was just great. And so, of course, in nothing like a Kevin Harlan call, by the way, on TNT. And now here's Bruce Bowen to pour water on Philadelphia. They did not send Kawhi Leonard to his weak hand. And when you have those situations, you got to understand that it's so important to make sure if he hits a shot, make sure he hits it a different direction. Right here, Tobias Harris shouldn't be right there. You're going Marcus Saul. You're faster than him. You're not worried about him getting the ball back. But as soon as we get the inbounds, get on the right-hand side right now, Ben. Get on the right. Oh, he doesn't get in. He's gives in. Now watch Ben Simmons. He stops playing. Can't stop him. This is game seven. Come on, Tibbs. What would you have done to me if I would have done that, Tibbs? Uh, trade. <laughs> so we've traded Bruce Bowen for Florida minute later. But all kidding aside, they always say the most dangerous man on that play is the guy inbounding the ball. And Gasol is a threat from three. No, no, no. Not, he's not going to take that shot. They're looking to get the ball to Kawhi Leonard. Right. You give it to your go-to guy. Four seconds, you want something going towards the basket, or you let him create something. So it's not about that situation, him being the most dangerous. Tobias is fast enough to get back to him. So that's one of those situations that he'll look back at and say, man, I wish I would have done something different. Bruce Bowen, Tom Thibodeau, Mike Greenberg on Get Up This Morning as you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Something about working out east, whether it's in New York for Get Up or working in Bristol, your voice just gets higher with emotion. So I'm just glad that mine is at a nice nice level right here in Chicago because if I worked out east, it would be so much higher. He went to into Stephen A for like 10 seconds in the middle of that. Something about those chairs there. <laughs> just, well, there's something about that. It's very odd, Eric. I don't know why that is. Um, but I, I just I want to make sure that I give Kawhi Leonard love because of all of the conversation about what Golden State is, what Houston is not, what Giannis is, what the Raptors are not. Do you realize that that Kawhi Leonard is giving quality offense for this Toronto Raptors? Actually, underrated, I think, and still in some ways. 41 points, 
16 for 39 from the field. He gets the game winner. I mean, you can make the argument that he's right there amongst the best in the playoffs, providing the offense that he is. It's great. And so 92-90, the Raptors able to get the job done. Now, we go to Portland. Portland defeating the Denver Nuggets in Game 7, 100-96. I don't usually pull for one team or the other. I'm usually just like watching the games just because I'm interested. But I really was into Portland winning this contest. And the reason why is because I really wanted the spotlight for Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I really wanted that for them. Uh, And that game was very interesting, too. Nobody could hit a three early. All throughout that game, it's like, wow. And I don't know if it was the air. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But nobody could hit a three in that game until later on in the contest. It was it was back and forth. And I was just happy to see Portland not only win the game, but able to get it done on the road uh, the way they did against Denver. I, I've been – when you're watching as much NBA as I do, especially watching Portland late nights – uh, you just start to understand what Damian Lillard brings to the table, C.J. McCollum brings to the table. Here's what stands out to me the most, is that in a game in which Damian Lillard did not shoot the ball well, you saw C.J. McCollum pick up the slack. It's more team-oriented. How many teams in the league, good teams, I'm not talking about bad teams, how many good teams in the league is like, you know what, yeah, I'm shooting uh, three for 17, but I'm going to keep shooting. I don't care about my teammates. I'm going to keep shooting. I'm going to keep shooting the basketball as much as possible because somewhere along the line, even in a game seven, I'm going to straighten this out. Nope. Give it to someone else that can help you. C.J. McCollum is a guy that can help. Cantor's a guy that can help. Harkless can be a guy that can help. Rodney Hood is a guy that can help. And so I just like the team elements of the Trailblazers. I know that they've been a bridesmaid for so long. You can just go look it up yourself. Always in the playoffs, always in the mix, but always falling short. It's only because Portland is not on that same level as Golden State or some of these other teams that are always perennial, perennially in the mix to win a championship. Portland's really good. But I think that their defense is better this year than it has been in the last few years. There's more attention to detail defensively that I see from Portland that I had not seen in years past. Uh, and that is just the evolution of a team. And Denver is very good as well. Denver easily could have won that game as well. Jokic... I don't want to give you hyperbole on Jokic because I did not see uh, Arvidas Sabonis play overseas. Only that grainy film when he first came to Portland. But I haven't seen a big man with those kind of soft hands since me. No, I haven't seen a big man uh, with soft hands like that in, in a long time, if, if ever. His touch passes are just really interesting. From the high post... Uh, underneath the basket, being able to kick it out to others. It, it's not forced. It's just a very nice, he's got soft hands uh, for a, a big guy. And usually those guys have hands of stone or they're just trying to get it up to the you know to the rim. I, li- I like what Jokic brings. I think he's a really, really solid player. And I think I like that team. Malone had a really good team. It's just that, um, it's just that they just fell short. Jokic talked about it. He says, boy, these losses... It doesn't motivate me very much. Losses are not motivation for me. I mean, I think we had a really good group of guys. Last year, we missed the playoffs by uh, one game. I mean, Portland lost against the New Orleans last year, too. So, I mean, maybe that's their motivation. But I'm just asking for the guys who's going to come next year to come better and prepare to do bigger things. 
Mike Malone said this has been a, a dream for us, but now the dream. You know, for us, you know, tonight is the end of the season, but I'm not going to allow this Game 7 loss uh, to take away from a magical year. It doesn't feel that way right now, but when I reflect and when our players reflect on what we're able to accomplish, hell of a year, couldn't ask for anything more from our guys. So the thoughts there from Mike Malone. Now, what about uh, <laughs> what about the other side of this thing? Damian Lillard, really like him, um, and I just think he still needs his shine. What if I made the argument to you that he is the, the second or third best guard in the league? Who wants to fight me on that? And you have it's not just playoffs. You got to watch him all throughout the regular season and watch what he does for the team. I put him right up there. He passed Westbrook. Even just this playoffs, passed him up. Just think he's that better player. Um, Lillard, what his thoughts about the culture? We had a roster turnover four years ago, and you know everybody was quick to shoot us down, you know, count us out. And at that point, we didn't know for sure what direction we were going to go in, but we definitely leaned on the culture that we wanted to create. We leaned on that, doing things the right way, working hard, being about each other, you know, not uh, being about one guy or two guys. I think we really built that up from the jump. I think when we come out on top in a a game like this, in a a tough series like this, you see it in everybody's celebration. You know, everybody's excited because we all play a part in it. You know, you don't just create this type of thing with just the players. It takes everybody, you know, to be all in. and, And that's what it was tonight. I like him. And Dame Lillard says he'd love to stay in Portland his entire career. I don't think that's possible in today's sports. But, of course, he can control his own destiny. But he says he wants to be there. If that's the case, then he's the most oldest of old school players that you have now in 2019. If he actually wants to stay in Portland his entire career, which is fine. Um, Because at least you're in the playoffs. Now you have to control your destiny. But I I like that. I'm glad they're in this spot. And I know that the Warriors are a buzzsaw. I know that they're going to be tough for them to to battle. But I'm glad Portland is going to get some shine and that uh, C.J. McCollum and Lillard and that team will be able to be in a brighter spotlight. That's for sure. All right, we got to get the train started. Here we go. Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. It's time for Petty Junction. We'll get to that. Who's the pettiest of the sports weekend? We will tell you next. Jonathan Hood. So pay attention to my word, because it's the truth. Meditation is the mind. It brings the youth. It's like a verse you could never read out of a book. Dropping the line in your mind like a fish hook. On ESPN 1000. Petticoat. Junction. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty story? Petty Junction with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Time to find the pettiest stories of the sports weekend. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app will hear from... Jesse Rogers coming up at 8.10. His thoughts on the Cubs. They're idle tonight, and they are on a roll. We'll get to our Cubs conversation coming up at 8.10 right here on Under the Hood. All right, so we got to find the pettiest stories of the sports weekend, and we put them up on Twitter, at ESPN1000, have you vote. Uh, I will start here with Steph Curry. So after Steph Curry and the Warriors eliminate the Rockets in shocking fashion Friday night, an amazing story came to light. It came from the Athletics' Marcus Thompson, who tells amazing stories all the time. 
This one is pretty good, though. On the uh, on the night before Friday's Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals, after arriving from the Bay Area, Curry wanted to get up some shots at the Toyota Center. The Warriors do-it-all manager Eric Housen booked the court from 7 to 8 p.m. so Curry could work on his shot. Somehow, Rockets guard Chris Paul got wind of this. He decided to go to the Toyota Center to get some shots up, nixing Curry's reservations. <laughs> the Warriors point guard offered to stick... Uh, to a half court, but Paul wasn't having it. Curry was kicked off the Toyota Center court. Listen. I kind of like it. Yeah. I kind of like the gamesmanship. Like, nah, Steph wants to get up shots at what time? Oh, looks like my schedule just cleared. I'm going to be at the gym. I kind of like it. All right, let's hear. Do you have sound of that? Let's get it. Yeah, Steph post game. All right, let's give uh, people some thoughts on that. Whatever you need, stuff. Whatever you need, I think that is uh, probably some uh, probably some furor he's letting out on other issues in his life. So I'm just glad he's able to do that. So the so Chris Paul, by the way, and you can go on YouTube. You can find some of his petty tales. It's plenty of pettiness uh, when it comes to him, but definitely petticoat junction. Petticoat junction. So we'll put Mr. State Farm on the train there. Eric? CP3 is definitely lives that petty life. Someone else who does, who is a constant member of this Petty Junction uh, segment, Enos Cantor. He's a part of this a lot. On Saturday, the Denver Nuggets tweeted out um, a pre-sale, like a special pre-sale for the Western Conference fa- Finals for the Nuggets, uh, like a nice flyer. Cantor saw it on Sunday after the game, retweeted it with the caption, refund please. As this oh. Trailblazers eliminated the Nuggets. Oh. Petticoat Junction. Not surprised. Not at all. Petticoat Junction. All right, Sean, what's the third choice for Petty Junction? Uh, we go to Russell Wilson, who uh, in his uh, Midnight Whispers voice, on Mother's Day on IG Live, makes a request to his wife, Sierra. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to the prettiest girl in the world. The sweetest thing. Most precious, most loving, kind, thoughtful. That's what you are. I love you. I love you too, baby. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks, baby. So, uh, that, that third baby. See, well, you always have to go. You, you're yeah. such a good mom, though. I can't. <laughs> you won't, you've been going too but far. You, you but like, you be like, like, you mean like you amazing. So, like, I'm just trying to say, like. Really? You know what I'm saying? You know I believe in the number three, too. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Mama. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Oh, my gosh. You? I love you a long time. I love you a long time. So, for real, though. Hey, baby. Stop, babe. Yep, completely sprung. Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you something. You know, Russell Wilson had nothing interesting to say at all before Ciara came in, and now he's out there letting everyone know that he's got game. Surprising from Russell Wilson, too, because he'd be one of the last people I think that would actually have game, but he does have Ciara, which, I mean, hey, salute to him. God bless him. I mean, that's restaurant quality there. But the idea that he's all right there in front of everybody 
you talking about? I was looking for baby number three. I mean, like, listen, I'm a Mother's Day at that. Well, you know, it's it's surprising. You know, and, and again, what you going to say? No. So that's what makes that petty. I'm just being petty. All right. So what you gonna say? not right now. I'm on tour. <laughs> so, I just find it weird that he puts his pillow talk out there like that. Yeah. Like, um, I, it's just strange to me. Um, put that on the poll at ESPN 1000. Russell Wilson, good petty, good uh, pillow talk, bad pillow, pillow talk, yes or no? How is he as a pillow talker? I know how he is as a quarterback, but that's not, actually, that's not bad. Hey, but I wouldn't put my wife on blast and saying, we're going to get this third one in, right? I mean, come on now. You're better than that. Well, maybe not. And there you go. There's So put that on the uh, poll at ESPN 1000 to see who comes out the winner there. All right. Caller number two, regular line, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. If you want to go see the Chicago Dogs, your premier minor league baseball team on May 18th as they open their season, caller number two. I've got a pair of tickets for you right now. Come get them. 312-332-ESPN is our telephone number. Coming up next, oh, baseball, you've got a problem, especially when the Kentucky Derby's faster than you. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone.